0: choke the parochial corncrake you aching jacobs welcome to the blind by podcast i have a very special episode for ye this week i have a special guest hollywood actor robbie sheehan i recorded the chat last week at my gig in Vicker street it was a live a live podcast and robbie sheehan was my guest and that's also the reason why For last week's podcast, the second half of it, my voice was quite hoarse because myself and Robbie had so much crack that I was shouting into the microphone, roaring into the microphone for an hour and it destroyed my voice. So this week's episode isn't necessarily a relaxing podcast hug like I usually do. This is quite a fun, energetic episode because... It was a fun energetic night. It was in Vicker Street. And the atmosphere of the gig. It was a healing atmosphere. The audience were fantastic. And the, the vibe in the room was one of healing. Healing through laughter. After we've all spent so long in fucking isolation. So it was a magnificent night. And it's a privilege to be playing it for you. Today on this week's podcast. But like I said. If you're here for a podcast hug this isn't really the one, maybe go back to an earlier episode or I'll be back with a podcast hug next week. I'm conscious also that there's probably a lot of new listeners right now who've come here to listen to Robbie Sheehan because Robbie is ridiculously famous. He's in Umbrella Academy on Netflix and he's, he's huge worldwide. So there's going to be a lot of new listeners listening to this podcast. You're incredibly welcome and I hope you enjoy it and I hope that you Go back and listen to some earlier episodes of this podcast and become a regular listener. But one thing I will say to you, if you're a huge Robbie Sheehan fan, um, I, don't, I don't do like traditional interviews. What I try and do is to have conversations, especially if the person is incredibly famous. Because in the media space, really famous people they generally just get to do quite boring interviews where it's turn in response and they're asked questions about their career or about what they're working on I don't do that I try to have organic human conversations about whatever the fuck so that's what I do so if you're listening to this and you're disappointed that I'm not asking very specific questions about Umbrella Academy or some other aspect of Robbie's career that's not the vibe that I'm going for so please bring that into your awareness as you listen to this and enjoy the crack before i get into the chat i want to give robbie a little plug robbie's after releasing a brand new book his first collection of short stories uh, called disappearing act and the way robbie describes it is quite exciting because so robbie's an actor he's not necessarily a writer Well, he is now, he's just after writing a book, so he's a writer now. But acting is his predominant artistic expression. In writing this collection of short stories, Disappearing Act, which is out today, in writing this collection of short stories, he approached it from the perspective of being an actor. And he talks about it in this podcast, but he speaks about... when he has to take on a character in a role on TV... His job as an actor is to basically write that character's backstory, to write their backstory, to, to figure out what how they would be and how they would feel in different situations, to create a fictional universe for the character that Robbie has to portray. And that's how he pr- approached his book of short stories. And I find that quite, that's a very interesting approach. It's a cross-disciplinary approach, which I'm always interested in because you know, from myself, my own short stories. Sometimes I'll be writing a short story and I'm not writing it as a writer, I'm writing it as a painter or I'm writing it as a musician. Even though the medium is words, you can write while approaching it from a completely different discipline. So if you're interested in getting Robbie's stories, the book is called Disappearing Act and it's in shops now. Disappearing Act by Robbie Sheehan. I think my voice is still a small bit crackly. What the fuck is that about? So I'm going to go straight into the interview now. Um, it was wonderful fun. It was wonderful fun and I hope you enjoy it. Robbie's a lovely fella.
1: It's so lovely to see all of you. God bless and you. you. blind boy. Thank you so much for coming along. Oh, it's a great pleasure. I've been listening to your podcast for years. Thank you very much, Robbie. I've been podcast stalking you for many, many years now. You're with me in the shower quite regularly. (laughs) I'm sure a lot Um, of you,
0: he's with you in the shower. Am I wrong? The last time, last time I met Robbie, I was doing a gig. Was it Vancouver or Toronto? Toronto. I was doing a gig in Toronto. Rockstar. And uh, (laughs) I was interviewing circus freaks on stage. Lovely fellas, the monsters of schlock. Now, I've never put out the podcast live, because it's basically two hours of lads on stage hammering nails into their nose. <laughs> yeah. And that's it very was lovely to see. Live. You could see it, but it's not great to listen to. <laughs> and then Robbie arrives backstage. I think you might have had a can or two. Possibly, yeah. And the lads had a large bear trap. And we don't it have was... bears in Ireland. I think it was a coyote trap, you know, because it... a bear trap has serrated teeth on it, doesn't it? This... Whereas it was something that Robbie Sheehan shouldn't put his arm into. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> So Robbie yeah. was backstage demanding to put his fucking elbow into something that was designed to, to murder a bear.
1: <laughs> it was a morbid curiosity. I wanted to know what it felt like, you know, like like getting bitten by a poisonous snake or something.
0: Would you be into that now? Are you the type of person who's curious about being bitten by different types of venom? Or if I come up to you now with a salamander and said, I'm going I'm to bite you with this salamander, would you be... I'd rather not, or fuck it, let's see what happens. I don't know if I'd be too fussed with a salamander, to be honest. But I'm actually, I'm
1: staying on a farm currently, and the, the owners of the farm have loads and loads of reptiles in their house. What type? They have pythons, tortoises, geckos, tarantulas. They have all sorts of stuff. And uh, I was just there, I was thinking, like, I'd love to, to feel what it would be like if one... Because they were telling me they have one snake that's really pissed off and angry and defensive. So whenever they go in to feed it, it starts like going like that. Like going, yeah, yeah, wha! And like, <laughs> like trying to get at And, and I was thinking, wow, that would be mad just to, just to feel what it would be like. And, you know, while we're on this
0: earth briefly. No, I can understand it. I, I'd be someone who'd, I'd be more like, I don't want to get bitten by the snake. <laughs> that, no, but that would be more me. That's a fair position. But it's... it's <laughs> People are different. People are different. Yeah. So you're someone, like, I saw you with the bear trap. And I, I, <laughs> it made me go, that, like, if, if I'm in a room and there's a bear trap, I'm going to be like, that's for killing bears. So yeah. that's got nothing to do with me. I'm going yeah. to not go near that. He also, My, my uh, landlord also told me that there are lots of
1: false widows around the cabin. Oh, yeah. And they're quite, uh, they're quite present in Ireland now.
0: So I, there's these two lads up in Galway. They work in a thing called the Venom Lab. I interviewed them while I was in Galway. They're fascinating individuals. Wow. So these are two lads who, s- they study venom, right? They're, like, they're world leaders in this. But like yourself, they both love getting stung. <laughs> they fucking love it. And they kind of couldn't say it on the podcast, because I interviewed them, because they kind of lose their jobs. Yeah. It so, might, so They had, to, they had it to might start to make their jobs look like a fetish. Exactly. <laughs> but the thing was, the interesting thing was, so this fella in particular he'd been bitten by fucking everything right wow. he, he said the worst thing of all was he, he was in africa like they go into the middle of the congo with students and they search for the most venomous insects and snakes and everything so he'd gotten bitten by he, he was lying in, it was it was a giant centipede and he said it was three days of being stabbed to death Oh my
1: god. Like he couldn't
0: believe it. Wow. So he's been bitten by everything and he will you know, there's a scale of the pain and that was the most for him. And then one day he was out his back garden just mowing his lawn in Galway <laughs> and he got stung by a bee and went into extreme anaphylactic shock and oh had to be no. rushed to hospital. So he, he had been... So every time you get bitten, what it does is it triggers your immune response. Yeah. He'd done it so much that he'd made himself allergic to a Galway bee. <laughs> but not a Congolese
1: python. No. Uh, still all right. No. I, I once worked with an actor who had like sore shoulders from doing stunts and stuff. And so he flew in one of these bee sting venom doctors. Oh and, yeah. Uh, the guy says, so well, have you had this before? He's like, no, I haven't, no. So he, he's like, well, we'll just give you one dose and see how it goes. And then after about, I don't know how long it the, was. They right? inject
0: the venom of a bee into your spine. Yeah,
1: and, yeah, but into the area that's yeah. inflamed, right? Yeah. And then uh, after a while, Jerry, the actor, he goes, ah, not really feeling it and it's still kind of sore. Give us another one. And then went into anaphylactic shock <laughs> and now has to carry an EpiPen everywhere he goes. Self-administered.
0: It's, it's no joke. Yeah. I mean, it, what the, I think... So these lads in Galway as well, they're really studying the bee venom because it's, it's going to have very positive impact on people who have immune disorders. So people who have, like, MS, oh, they want to yeah. inject bee venom into their spines to wow. hopefully... it's Whatever way, it, 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 it fucks with the immune system. So there's benefits to it, but it can go either way. Did, did you hear that bees can smell COVID? Yeah, have you ever seen the Japanese drug-sniffing wasps? <laughs> Little uniforms on them. So and stuff. You, t- tell, you tell me about the tell me about the the COVID-sniffing bees first. You
1: know, I watched that HBO series about uh, the uh, Q and the QAnon movement yeah, yeah. in the U.S., which eventuated in the storming of Capitol Hill in Washington. And so I went on that website where all the Q communications were happening, which is called 8chan. And there's a lot of like. Uh, sort of subversive articles that they believe you wouldn't see in the mainstream media. And a lot of them are right. I mean, there's a lot of kind of hate oriented stuff, but there's also quite interesting stuff on there. And so there was an article about some Dutch researchers who'd proven that honeybees can smell COVID just the way like dogs can smell cancer or weed in your suitcase
0: or whatever. So in Japan, wasps can smell drugs. Wow. So what they did in Japan was instead of getting dogs to go around the airport smelling wasps or smelling drugs, they got like a... It looks like a speed gun. And they have about five or six wasps taped to the top of it. And they basically point the wasps at cocaine. (laughs) And it's a better way. Amazing. And it uses less resources as well because a lot of effort goes into training a cocaine smelling dog. (laughs) Wow, it's a very educational evening, you know. <laughs> about uh, the insect world. So wh- wh- how how how's P- wh- you're from Port Leash? I am indeed, of origin. And we were we were having a conversation earlier where it was it was quite an empathic conversation. You were complimenting Limerick on the wonderful Troy studios. Oh yeah. yeah. And then I turned around and, and just it's an instinctive thing. I just said, Asher, look, you ye, you've ye, got the, the prison up in Port Leash. <laughs> yeah <but you're->
1: yeah! <laughs> A lot of of Irish people I mentioned, Port Leash, they they don't know where it is. It's a beautiful name, Port Leash. It's a port for the most inland county in Ireland.
0: It's (laughs) one of the few
1: ports in the country. But uh, yet the
0: the reason I said that to you was like, you know, you go, fair play to Limerick, you have this lovely film studio. And then I felt bad and said, oh, you you have that prison, Robbie. It's not too bad. Don't worry about it. It felt like... When you're in school and you're both doing pass English, and then I have to turn around and say, "I'm actually I'm going up to honours English."
1: Yeah, you're like, "What are you?" Yeah, at? it was like that. You're leaving like me that. here with the prison. Um, it's a very infrastruc- It's a very infrastructural town because beside the prison there's a, I think prison officer training facility, and across the way there's a mental hospital, and beside the mental hospital there's a hospital for sick people, uh, you know, illness and what have you. I and like then, that.
0: That got a cheer.
1: Oh, nice one. Illness, woo! Are you a nurse? Ah, fair off.
0: That makes sense. All right, okay. Nice
1: one. So there's all the kind of civic stuff that a country kind of needs. They all just, they shoved it all in leash.:
0: What's it like? Oh, you're going to go for one of those? Yeah, yeah. Actually, do you know what? I've done a yeah, few Q&As in my time. No, you're dead fucking right. Yeah. Hit myself into the face with it. Yeah, that thing is oppressive. That's what happens when you don't gig for two fucking years. You Forget how to use a microphone. <laughs> But no, you know that's what? a much better. I forgot you could even do this.
1: <laughs> I was I was reading a, a book called Leash folktales today, and I was, I was kind of welling up because I forgot the fact that Fionn McCool is from Leash. Right? Really? And he was raised in the Schlieve Bloom Mountains, which is in West Leash. And Bally Finn, which is the the college I went to. Oh, there's a fair few Leash heads in tonight, yeah. Woo!
0: Leash heads who appear to be from multiple parts of Leash all at once. <laughs> yeah. Like a Leash superposition. (laughs) What's that about?
1: But um, are you from Leash? Oh, fair play. Oh, that's a a coincidence, because you don't really announce your guests until about ten minutes before the gig. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Which is a nice thing. I
0: like like the lucky bag situation. I I like people not uh, knowing who's going to... You know what I mean?
1: I think it's It's like the Tommy Tiernan chat show. Exactly, Yeah. You sort of. Because, yeah, other chat shows feel very over rehearsed these
0: days. You don't want to you know tell I mean? people who's coming on stage. You want that whole fucking. It'd be like someone telling you what's in the Lucky Bag. I don't want to know. Or the fucking. Any, honestly, would you buy a Kinder Egg if you know what toy is in there? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a surprise. They, not since they started doing ornaments. That was a real letdown in the Kinder and world. Also, one thing I do enjoy about my podcast is that you could come here and it's either like. You, who's, like, an actual Hollywood actor, are just a butcher. I, like, I, I could literally...
2: Like, I I've, can I've cut three other gigs.
0: I have three other gigs in November. Like, I could just bring a butcher, like, for real. <laughs> Genuinely. I, I was up... the Man, I was up in Mullingar. I interviewed some fellow who used to... And he fell asleep during the podcast. So the guy fell asleep mid-podcast? Yeah, and that's the reason... So when I came here tonight and these, the these chairs... That's the reason we
1: do speed before the gig
0: now. And also, it's why, a, it's it's a why, new why I asked Robbie, Robbie's not wearing socks? <laughs> and you did have these fetching socks on, and I said, Robbie, yeah. take off the socks, man, take. because I've got a fan here, and it <laughs> blows on his feet so Robbie yeah. doesn't fall asleep. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he fell asleep in the middle of the gig, man. Wow. Um, did, you, did you
1: take that personally? Or? No.
0: No, 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 no. I, I, I responded to it in the moment. I thought it was quite tender. Um, Once I realised he wasn't dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because that was the first reaction.
1: I went to a a play recently in the um, RSC in Stratford-upon-Avon. And there was a a, a very old gentleman next to me. In fact, he was standing behind my seats. There's quite a few standing seats. And I sort of went, come here, we'll scooch down. So we sat right close to each other. And he fell asleep like five minutes into the play. And then at the applause at the interval, he went, He goes, I absolutely love coming to the theatre. Oh, I love it. I love the show. See, <laughs> been asleep, the whole thing.
0: Was that Shakespeare's gaffe? Stratford upon band? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Stratford, yeah, exactly. You've That's done a, a, a ton of shit
0: on stage as well, haven't you?
1: Yeah, well, over the years, uh, sort of intense pockets, but sort of with lots of space in between. In fact, I'm going to do a play in Dublin in February, March. I'm going to do... Uh, I'm going to do Samuel Beckett's Endgame oh, Fucking lovely with, with the great comedian Frankie Boyle Fuck off Oh yeah oh Where yeah. are you doing that? In the gate How many, How long and, are you doing that for? And Sean McGinley and Gina Moxley Like proper stellar cast like Are though. you looking forward to that? Yeah How Still did Frankie is. get involved in that? So Frankie, uh, the, the agency I'm represented by Ireland, the UK, have a huge comedy department, and myself and Rose Parkinson, who you know, were kind of brainstorming over Endgame, and be like, oh, it wouldn't be amazing to do this on stage after all of this episodic television making I've been doing for several years. Be like, that'd be great, so who, who could play Ham? So a quick sort of rundown of Endgame, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Ham is a character who's kind of losing his sight. He's lost the ability to walk, and he's kind of losing his marbles as well. And there's another character who can't sit down. So Ham can't stand up and, and Clove can't sit down. And then there's two very, very, very elderly people who are just in dustbins at the back like this. Oh,
0: yeah. And people feed them dog biscuits.
1: Yeah. 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 And they're like, oh, give, us a, give us a jam bun. And they're like negotiating for... Somehow sweet at the back of the stage. Very
0: sort of funny but deeply grim, blackly comic. Do you do you enjoy Beckett? Do you because sometimes I think a Beckett play, the whole point of it was is him to literally torture the audience. (laughs) But literally, because Beckett's thing is is absurdity. Yeah. And Absurdity is um So it's it's when it's when you know that life is meaningless. But then you search for meaning Even though you know it's meaningless So that in between is the absurd yeah. so, And that can be uncomfortable So Beckett's whole thing was Here's three hours of men eating dog biscuits Inside yeah. the dustbin And you're going to sit and watch this And then you go what yeah. was that about And it's like that's the feeling of you being alive You stupid cunt yeah. And it's kind of yeah. like that Did you? Are, are you familiar <laughs> So you'll all be coming <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's, I feel really sorry for the people going, going to get a look at Robbie Sheehan in the new play. <laughs> <laughs> and Priya it's used. Biscuits.
1: Slightly more brief than three hours. Slightly. Are you doing an it abridged version? No, the end game is one of the shorter ones. It's about an okay. hour and 20, straight through.
2: <laughs>
1: Have but, you um, ever seen our Heart of Beckett's play Craps last tape? Yeah. yeah I've never seen it, but I've. I've so, I mean, I know of it, and I've seen
0: clips, but I've never actually seen it live. I'd love to see it live. It's, so I, I, I ended up doing a podcast on it before. So here's what I love about Crap's Last Tape. So Beckett's, it's a Beckett play, and Beckett's whole thing, like I said, is absurdity. Things that are absurd and ridiculous. And this was 1955. So he made a play, and all it is, is it's a man on stage and he has a microphone, and he has a tape recorder. And what he does is he talks into the tape recorder on his own every day and then listens to it back. And that's just everyone with no a podcast one likes now. your good self, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly, But yes. that's all it is. In 90, it's just a, it's a fucking play about a man with a podcast that no one listens to. So <laughs> sure, there's loads of them. But in yeah, 1955, yeah. the very concept of this, Beckett was rubbing his hands together going, I'm going to fucking freak him out yeah, with this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Beckett was, he was always interested in taking things away from actors, you know, from human beings. Yeah. Taking away the ability to walk or the ability to sit down or taking away actors' bodies. There's another play, I might get this wrong now. Is this The Lips? Another play called Nor I, yeah. Yeah. It's just literally a mouth on stage, you know. So he's always kind of hampering, he's kind of just taking bits away of things that sort of, I suppose things that we all take for granted to some degree, because I think
0: it's the, it's think the he, same with his writing. It's minimalism, stripping things back, stripping as much things as right,
1: right back, and even plot. You know, there's mm-hmm. very, very little plot to be found in Samuel Beckett plays. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's just this sort of mad race through, I don't know, sort of the existential ideas, humour, sort of just like this kind of meandering, twisting turn. Because I, I, I kind of have, I suspect that he resented having been born. You know, I really there's a bang of that off. him I yeah. right? Yeah. And he's, by all accounts, he was funny. He liked going out to the pub and having a pint and stuff. But at, behind and it, the humour was sort of fueled by the fact that he was he was engendered to this world. The
0: he greatest like, Samuel Beckett fact of all time. He he drove the wrestler Andrew the giant to school when he was a child. <laughs> you you don't know that. There's a there's a podcast in this. Surely you don't know that. No. So Samuel Beckett lived in France and Beckett would be like just going to get his morning fucking coffee or paper and he'd be driving along and he'd be like, fuck me, that child is huge. (laughs) Because Andre the Giant was like eight foot tall and and when he was like 10, he was seven foot tall. So Beckett's driving along in France. Fuck, that's a massive child. So he kept going past this huge child until one day he just stops. And just says, "Hark, huge child, man into the car." Oh, backwards! So, when it pe- was fucking Andrew ba- G- People said, "Hark!" Uh, <laughs> oh. No, that's not a direct quote. I'd, li- <laughs> I'd still. I'm love assuming to- that's what Beckett said, <laughs> but it was Andrew the Giant. So, Andrew wow. the Giant was like used to get lifts to school from Samuel fucking Beckett. What did they talk about? You underline? like, you
1: I know, would love wrestling?
0: imagine, imagine. There's a, play. There's a play. There is a in play in that. that. Someone has to have written It's. it's, it's that's rotting in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> Someone has definitely written that. Or that, um, you know that Sky, that program on Sky where they get, they get like urban legends about celebrities and they dramatize it. So like, what? Or, yeah. What, like it, the uh, Richard Gere one? Does anyone know the name of that? No, I heard it up there. Jeremy Renner? Urban Myths. Did they call it Urban Myths? So anyway, like... like um, is it wh- just when, about when ni- So when is 9-11 it- happened, so when 9-11 happened, Michael Jackson and Liz Taylor were in New York and they couldn't get uh, a taxi or even a driver because 9-11 was happening. So the two of them had to share a car out of New York. Michael Jackson and fucking Liz Taylor. So they dramatised that. It's Michael Jackson and Liz wow. Taylor with actors playing them. Or the best one is... <clears throat> so Bob Dylan... In like nineteen
1: eighty. Maybe they were friends, though. I mean, they're both ultra famous. Do you know what? Was it
0: Liz Taylor or was it Liza Minnelli? It was Liza Minnelli. Liza Minnelli. But then another one, right? So Bob Dylan in like nineteen eighty four. Bob Dylan's a bit eccentric, so he was hanging around with Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics, and Dave Stewart just said to him, "Oh yeah, I live in Birmingham. You should call sometime." (laughs) so Bob Dylan out of nowhere decides to get on a plane by himself, tells no one goes to Birmingham and has the wrong address and then just calls to someone's house in a suburb and says is Dave there but the person who lived in the house happened to actually be called Dave so his wife answers the door and she's like That's Bob Dylan. It's fucking Bob Dylan. Now, Bob Dylan has been famous for so long, he's not really absorbing the situation. So the wife says, Dave's at work right now, but he'll be back soon. You can wait inside there. So now Bob Dylan's sitting in some lad called Dave's living room in Birmingham. He looks at his records. It's a shit ton of Bob Dylan records. And some poor cunt who was a welder, who was a huge Bob Dylan fan, comes home and Bob Dylan's sitting... In his fucking living room. Incredible. And that's a real thing that happened, and it took about 10 minutes for him to go, no, I'm actually looking for Dave from the Arrhythmics, <laughs> but I enjoyed this conversation. Incredible. So they, they dramatised that, you know? Wow. I want
1: i will drop a name here well since you're fucking he's famous he, like
0: you're properly
1: when you're properly famous it's not <laughs> name dropping years ago uh, I I worked with Nicolas Cage and he told me that he for a while hung out with Eddie Van Halen right? oh wow and uh, they used to just like get on the beer together and have the crack and then play guitars and Eddie oh Van Halen would be like God. just jamming in Nick's house and Nick said he staggered off to bed one night and then he woke up in the middle of the night like Wah! Like screaming guitar, he like went down to his living room, and there was Eddie Van Halen on his knees serenading his bulldog. <laughs> like, was like in the living room, like. And then later, he said he called Eddie Van Halen because uh, he'd gone to church and had the holy bread, and then later had some sort of food poison, and then he puked up the holy bread,
0: right? And it's so f- Eddie Van Halen is shredding and puking Christ in your living no, room. No, 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 Nick. Nicholas Cage, Cage was puking was, Christ
1: Nick Cage right, had been to church And then later been sick And sicked up the holy bread right? and then Now here, that, that means he's a
0: protestant Yeah exactly Well he is a protestant Yeah because you or I You're not going to start going I puked the communion wafer Because you know you're just going to go I, I fucking puked Christ Yeah, I better keep that, it under wraps That ramps. catholic shit will come up yeah. Literally the Guilt
1: but anyway, he uh, so he called Eddie Van Halen. He was like, "I feel really weird about it, man. You know, I had this, this holy bread, and then it came up, and I don't know what that's supposed to symbolize. I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to go to church more." And he goes, "Wait a minute, you're one of those religious freaks." And he's like, "Well, yeah." And he goes, "Ah, oh, screw it, man. I I didn't know that about you." Boom, hung up the phone. <laughs> Never spoke to him ever again. <laughs> He was great, crack. He was full of stories. Nick, like Nicholas that. Cage. Nick Cage, yeah, yeah. He'd tell you stories. All he's day still, long. Is he a
0: nice chap. He seems like yeah. a nice, like a nice yeah, chap. yeah,
1: wonderful. Sort of truly in love with the sort of magic of the world. He's a bit of a druid, Nick Cage. Did you see that? His latest film. Did anyone see that film, Pig, where he plays this sort of kind of ex-celebrity chef in Oregon who's gone out to essentially be a truffle hunting man with a pig. And uh, the film was sort of, uh, whatever, but Cage in it was like, yeah. oh, absolutely
0: beautiful performance.
1: And I, the, it, it Do jogged you think my memory. He, like, the,
0: the thing with Nicolas Cage, in my opinion, he just plays Nicolas Cage. He's
1: got, he's got a powerful life force, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah.
0: Like, if, you, if you put Nick Cage into a film, it does the same thing that Salt does to a plate of chips. Absolutely. Do you know yeah. what I mean?
1: Hits the nail on the head for yeah, flavor. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But you do too much. <laughs> I always felt yeah. that uh, I'd love to see the film being John Malkovich, except it's not John Malkovich. It's, it's Nicolas Cage. Being Nicolas Cage. He would have been just better at it. It's like he would have turned it up another notch.
1: You know, that, that, that could well happen. Do you know what I mean? That, if, you know, if you wrote that script, that's something I'm sure Nicolas Cage would probably consider That's doing. the type... I once, he's, he's just finished filming a movie called The Unbearable Weight of Immeasurable Talent, starring himself as himself.
0: It's not a Charlie Kaufman film, is it, is it? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not too sure. <laughs> what I a hope fucking so. name for the film. Um, I think we're, we're due an interval now, are we? Hark, people who work at Vicker Street. Are we Hark! doing an interview? I hear their drums. Yeah. So we're going to have a little interval. You can have a gentle pint and me and Robbie will be back out in about 10, 15 minutes. All right. Oh It's so nice to see you all Woo! alive and well. So we're going to take a small little break right now so we can have our ocarina pause. The ocarina pause is where I play a Spanish clay whistle. And when I do that, you're going to hear some. Adverts that are digitally inserted by ACAST.
2: Hold up! What was that? Boring! No flavor! That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
1: There's never been a faster or
0: easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. That was the ocarina pause. You would have heard some adverts there. I don't know what they were for. They're algorithmically generated and targeted at you specifically. You gorgeous cunts. This podcast is supported by you, the listener, via the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash the blind by podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, if you listen to it regularly, if you take something from it, then please consider paying me. For the work that I'm doing. This podcast is my full time job. It's how I earn a living. It's a huge amount of work. And I'm able to deliver it on a weekly basis. Because of my patrons. So So what I always say is. If you met me in real life. Would you say to yourself. Oh there's Blind Boy. I enjoy his podcast. I'd like to buy him a pint. Or buy him a cup of coffee. Well you can. Via the Patreon page. That's what I'm looking for. The price of a pint or a cup of coffee. Once a month. But if you can't afford that. If you're out of work. Whatever. Don't worry about it. You can listen for free. If you can't afford it. You're paying for the person who can't afford it to listen for free. So everybody gets a podcast. I earn a living and I get paid for the work that I'm doing. It's a wonderful model based on kindness and soundness. Also, becoming a patron of this podcast means that I, I maintain full editorial control of what that po- this podcast is. Every week I get to speak about what I want to speak about in the way that I want to speak about it and no advertiser can ask me to adjust or change my content to suit their brand needs. If they try that I can tell them to fuck off. So being a patron keeps this podcast fully independent and don't just support my independent podcast. Support any independent podcast that you enjoy and that support doesn't have to mean financial. Share it, like it, leave a review tell a friend word of mouth any independent podcast that you listen to do that for that podcast because it helps massively especially in the face of podcasts in 2021 where so much large corporate money is stepping into the podcast space and we have oversaturation with and i don't mean to be disrespectful but quite a lot of new poor quality podcasts popping up all over the place because the people making it aren't passionate about what they're doing. They're just taking the check. And the po- podcasting has always been about small teams of creators making something that they're genuinely passionate about. And that's what makes podcasts different to radio and television. So let's keep it that way. Support independent podcasts. Follow me on Instagram, Blind Boy Bow Club. Follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash podcast. Now let's get back to the chat with the wonderful Robbie Sheehan. Um so I did have questions. Do you know, do you know what know, but a lot of people ask me about Robbie? Go on. <laughs> so do do you remember? <clears throat> so I did a rubber bandit sketch called the Rubber Bandit's Guide to Halloween in 2013. And in this sketch, we interviewed a poster of you. <laughs> you have, really? wait, you haven't seen this. I'm honored! You haven't seen this. No! But here's the mad thing, right? So we interviewed a poster of you, and Mr. Chrome played the part of you. We we were it was RTE budget shit, right? So <laughs> RTE Thank like you. have no, no fucking money. RTE are like fair play to a national broadcaster, right? But so they like do a guide to Halloween, go out onto the streets of Dublin and try to do sketch comedy. So we were literally at the stage where it's like they wouldn't pay for any props. Like, the whole sketch ends with Mr. Chrome falling on 24 eggs. Like, we had to do it once because they wouldn't pay for, like, 50 eggs. Seriously. Seriously. Like, and we had to do it on the grounds of RTE because they wouldn't pay for location. This was 2013, height of the recession. 50 eggs? You want 50 eggs? So we had to do 24 eggs in one scene. So anyway, we were starving for, for jokes... And while we were interviewing people in like Grafton streets, we, we, we saw a poster of you. It, well, it, was, it, it was a Robbie Sheehan calendar. Oh, the calendars followed me around for years. But uh, so while we're interviewing it, and this was 2013, we said, Robbie Sheehan, what, what's your next project? And the answer that your character in our universe gave was two words for you, man, or three words for you, man, saucy time travel. And then we said, What do you mean, Robbie? And then your character said, I go back in time and fuck men. <laughs> and then a bunch of people said, This is actually the, the plot to Umbrella Academy. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah it is, it's pretty bang on And yeah. loads of people say to me all the time They think like, did you did you know Something in advance and you had told Me the plot of an Umbrella Academy in 2013 no. And I'm trying to go, he wasn't Even on, lo- you were and, on Love Head at that and point And here's a
1: bit of trivia for you the, Originally in the lead up to doing Umbrella Academy Klaus goes back To Vietnam and then But like you don't Know that bit yet, you just see him hanging around This old folks home and sort of kind of leering at this elderly Vietnamese lady. And then it, it, it's revealed that he goes back and he had a relationship with a woman, and they had a child, but he had to kind of get back to the present before whatever, the Saigon Tet or whatever it was. So then Steve Blackman called me up and was like, what if you had like a you know affair with an American GI instead? And I was like, yeah, yeah that, that could be quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just kind of seemed like a more interesting thing. So, so you're to, saying up that up Steve, Steve Blackman watched our sketch, The <laughs> yeah. Rubber Bandits Guide from yeah. to Halloween from 2013? I think he probably did. He's probably an avid <laughs> Rubber Bandits fan. But so, yeah, that took, a, that took
0: a gay turn quite late in the game, really. Yeah. What has the... <clears throat> the Umbrella Academy is kind of... Really changed things for you internationally. I'm guessing it's that distribution, man. The Holy Netflix shit. shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It,
1: it really has. Netflix is in like 190
0: countries or something.
1: Yeah. so it's I, great. You know, it's, I it's, mean, it's. But great.
0: how are you finding? Like, you're just a normal lad from Port Leash. Like, normalish.
1: Normal, normalish. Like, I mean, look at the pants I'm wearing for Christ's cl- sake. Look, okay, you could get arrested for less in Port Leash. <laughs> Certainly in Mount Melick. <laughs> <laughs> But like... Go on, Mount Malik. Hey, you know what? I took a ridiculous route from Dublin to Port Leash uh, uh, and was driving somebody foreign and they were looking at me like, are you from Port Leash? Uh, took the wrong uh, motorway for some reason and then ended up going through Mount Melech which has grown exponentially. Since I was there, it's like big now. It's, it's like Port Leash when I was a kid. D- dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you got a good super value? Yeah.
0: Not as good as port leash though um do like how do you find fame like i mean like even when you go to Port Leash, do people leave you alone? are people sound or I, you know people no, they don't leave me alone,
1: <laughs> but here's the th- you know they're they're resoundingly lovely and charming and often chronically apologetic for having. You know, d- come over to the dinner table or whatever it is, or but like, there's a apparently so that, that like,
0: oh Robbie, would you mind? Can I get a little photograph? Is yeah, that right? you know,
1: it, it, it's the there's a slight weariness that kicks in after the tenth photograph of the day, but that's kind of only Leash, to be honest with you,
0: because I suppose I'm from there, so it's like, oh, there he is, quick. But you'd assume that your hometown leaves you alone, like now yeah. I'm 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 not at your level of fame. I'm just a man on the internet from Limerick, but. <laughs> there, there's people in Limerick who, who... They don't know me, but they I'd be walking down the street without my bag. Yeah. And they're like... I mean, a lot of that's people... A, the people leave me alone in, in Limerick. In, in Limerick, they, they, a lot of folks must know what you look like now. Everyone in Limerick knows who the fuck I am. <laughs> Except, yeah. my
1: neighbor. Except my neighbour. <laughs> Except my neighbour. But you know but, what? The bag is a statement to folks of Limerick that... You sort of don't want that aspect of fame. But you know what, I must say, I must preface all this by saying, there's an aspect of that that I really, genuinely love. Now there you go. I sat down and meditated on it a few years ago, especially after the second series of Umbrella, went like, fame-wise. I was like, yeah, this is great, but it's also strange because I'm being treated very differently by people now. And sort of like... You know, if you're being treated differently than normal, it feels dehumanising straight away, and you go, oh, you know, this this is different. But I sat down and thought about it, and relaxed, and thought, you know, if I accept this wholeheartedly and embrace this, I swear to God, people are incredibly trusting, really forthcoming, and you know, as a creative person, writing and stuff, you can get, you know, you can get very very interesting things out of people who are like, you know, kind of want to share things with you, and honestly. You know, as well, like, up until recently, I kind of, when I wasn't away working, I'd go back to London, and that would be my base, where people are are profoundly indifferent to one another in public spaces, you know, which I think Irish people find quite startling and quite troubling. I certainly did, you know, where people are so, the indifference is so studied and so... Pointed when you're there over that there it hurts after it's terrifying while, so yeah wears on me spiritually and so fame became like a window through,
0: like, so are british I, people like oh it's robbie sheen
1: less so in london because the, yeah. the sort of the, the the icicle like screens between people are so intense yeah, i yeah. once
0: sat down in soho eating a croak mansoor what a croque mansoor it's a <laughs> French. It's, it's a french sandwich uh with bechamel it's sauce man who they name croque park after but, <laughs> <You know what laughs> you croque but anyway i was sitting Burgundy. down sitting down with this fucking croque mansoor a lovely ham sandwich with bechamel <laughs> sauce sans egg sans if, you, if egg. you put an egg on it it's a croque madame but i'm yeah. sitting down sitting down and know oh, i fucking love these sandwiches what are they, cheese and bacon? It's, it's, it's che- cheese, bacon, bechamel sauce, right? So I'm sitting down, and I was looking forward to this, because like, I'm not in London loads, and I'd gone specifically here, and i would got a lovely seat by the window, sitting down with the croque Mansoor. <laughs> fucking Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Walks past, and has a good old look at my croque Mansoor, and licks his lips. and walked on and I I can't
1: he's like I haven't eaten one of those in five years yes (laughs) yes (laughs) oh (laughs) god
0: he fucking coveted my croakman sword with his British tongue (laughs) but it made me realise afterwards it's like that could have been anyone but it's like, it's Soho, there's Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah, it's no like gives a, a shit it's a story. When half people... an hour later, there's Vic Reeves in a comic book shop Yeah, so Do you know
1: what, I nearly got, well, I, I, we sort of decided against it ultimately We thought it'd be confusing, but Vic Reeves was going to do some artwork for my fuck book Fuck off Yeah, yeah I was a couple of New Year's Eves ago and we got far
0: too drunk together down in uh, You did in your hoop Yeah You got to meet Vic Reeves <laughs>
1: Yeah, man yeah. Oh, I'd in say fact, I'd
0: love to meet him. Is he is he the type of person now who wouldn't like being people coming up saying hello to him? I think he would like it. I yeah. think he's
1: the t- he's a very outgoing individual. He's a very sort of people, you know, sorry, charming. He, he loves being he loves being at parties. He loves being surrounded by people. So I suppose there's an aspect of him that hopefully loves it. Otherwise, he's tormented in his entire life, you know.
0: But it's a weird thing because some people like. So you, you're, you have the type of personality where you enjoy it.
1: I do, because, you know, I, you, know you learn the tools of it, uh, how to politely get people to fuck off, you know. But in the meantime, you're like, eh, you know, you can sort of play with people and have a laugh and kind of riff off their nervousness. And, you know, there's a, there's a whole little microcosm of creativity that can happen.
0: Right, let's see. I'm going to ask some... Qu- uh, this is a weird are question. These from, are these from the folks? These the are internet. from the Instagram Big large type. Um, ask him about his memories of Puck Fair as a young fella. Goat, goat emoji. Also, and he's. Oh, we already covered Nicholas Cage. Yeah. So, so what, Puck Fair as a young lad. Puck Fair. Goat emoji. For those of you who don't know the, the great sort of vaguely
1: pagan festival that happens in Kilorgland in Kerry, Puck Fair. We've got some some high claps over there. They're probably from Kerry. Where they make a a wild mountain goat king for three days in Kilorgland. And they put a golden crown on his head and they put him on a 20-foot stand in the middle of town. Because that's the town where my father's nearest from. And so we used to go down there on summer holidays. And it was mega crack. Like the whole town would be wedged with people. (laughs) Exactly. And, uh, oh, it was mega, I mean, I had my wallet stolen a few times down there, like, lifted off me. But it's a kind of a horse and donkey fair, and it's like, every pub is wedged to the rafters, and there's kiosks selling all sorts of stuff, and it's, everybody's just having a massive hoolie around the goat. No, and if you ask anyone down there, they're not really sure why there's a goat. No one can, very few people
0: know the etymology of the goat. I don't know. I, I do, I do. Oh, really? Apparently, how it started was it, was, it was around the time of Cromwell, right? Oh, yeah. So the Brits would have been invading various villages. Now, this is one of those things you, you can't, you, it's, it's not proven, but this is the story. So apparently, the Cromwell's forces were coming towards the village in Kerry, and they had disturbed a herd of goats. And because the people in the village knew that these wild goats would never come into town, this wild goat oh comes yeah. in and people went something's not right here. <laughs> and they're like why is this wild goat here? And then they went fuck the Brits are coming. Right. So they all they all <laughs> escaped. Natural next thought They escaped And they were never massacred In, yeah. in the Cromwellian invade. They were never massacred And from the, then on They said Let's get a wild goat And put him up really high And get pissed Yeah yeah Because we weren't killed There was one sto- Version of that story I heard Which
1: was A goat came running into town And warned everyone That Oliver Cromwell <laughs> Was like <laughs> A talking goat Alright
0: that actually does that sounds kind of that sounds more believable more legit but uh, again with stories like when you hear a story that's, uh, when you hear a piece of history that's really interesting I'm always sceptical of it
1: like down in Ballin in West Cork myself and my mother went past there recently We stopped at this Virgin Mary statue which in the early 80s apparently moved right <laughs> And it created all this traffic and this sensation. And there's all these pictures that are in frames next to the Virgin Mary of like like hundreds and hundreds of people all just standing there in the rain waiting for her to move again. (laughs) And all these chip vans and burger vans and stuff around. You're like, this is one enterprising chip van restaurant owner fella who decided to spread a bit of lore about the Virgin Mary.
0: Yeah, I need to look into the moving statues. Yeah, this... <laughs> I mean, because it's one of those things, that is like, wow, like it was the 80s. The internet yeah. had been invented by then. Like, I mean, it, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: what the fuck are we at? Yeah. And I
0: I, I think just... I think people just wanted something. They really wanted something. Yeah. They wanted something. I mean, sometimes I compare it to Ireland's corporate tax race. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, if you think of... That's the new moving so we, statue. we didn't... Well now. <clears throat> so if you, if you if you all right, if you're down in Kerry and you go there's a statue and it's moving and it's of Christ's mother. Yeah. Yeah, and you say it with enough earnestness. Yeah. Then everyone's going to be like, "Fuck me, I want to go to Ireland." Well, yeah. So then they got rid of the moving statues and said, "Instead, why don't you just have a company here and you don't have to pay a tax?"
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you think it was do you think it was Charlie Haughey disseminating it this information been. It been. through the Irish countryside to
0: boost but I the did, economy? Uh, I became obsessed with relics there for a while, you know, Catholic relics. In particular, um, the saga of Christ's foreskin. Yeah. I, I did. A, I did a podcast on it, but... So, come here I, and I, I tell I, you. I haven't heard that one. So, here's the deal, right? So, Christ was, was Jewish. Christ yeah. was, so, Christ was circumcised. This is what happened. He was born before Christ... Like woke up and went Fuck me God's my dad." He was just like A Jewish baby Who had the skin Of his dick cut off So then People were like Hold on a minute You can't just go Cutting the top Of Christ's dick off And then not have that As this really holy thing So what, what happened was Because then Because Christ ascended To heaven you see <laughs> So how do you remove his dick, the piece of his dick when he's a child? Do you think... And then he goes on. <laughs> it it, it, it causes the whole of Catholicism to fall apart. Yeah. Do
1: you think his dick skin was just going up, ascending But well, well, here we like. go.
0: Here we go. <sighs> so what happened was, all throughout the Middle Ages, someone claimed to have, like, I've got the fucking, I've got the top of Christ dick. And it became a fucking relic. And the first one was the 12th century King Charlemagne of France gifted somebody, you know, Christ's foreskin as a relic. But what happened was, is other foreskins emerged around Europe. So for about 400, 500 years, there was all these competing versions of Christ's foreskin where people were saying, we have the real one, we have the real one. But the beauty of of a relic in in medieval Europe is it was quite similar to Ireland's corporate tax rate. (laughs) If you, seriously, if you had a village and all of a sudden you've got a class relic. Like in Dublin, you've got St. Valentine's Heart. What the fuck is that? Mad shit. Saint's Heart. But yeah, St. Valentine's Heart is like up the road. Wow. Yeah. But, uh, what, uh, what church is it in? Christ Church. The uh, heart of so the fucking in, saint from the world. Can the you go in and see it? You can. Amazing. You can. Like to, you like could headbutt it. But, like, he was kicked out of Christchurch for headbutting St. Valentine's heart. And the guards came along and they shot him. (laughs) Robbie Sheehan was his name. I'll be doing that in uh, in promotion next week. But but anyway, right, so there's all these foreskins around Europe. And what they used to do with with, uh, relics was if you had a decent relic in your village... Yeah. It meant that your village all of a sudden became very important economically because people would travel to see yeah. the relic. Yeah, you So know, it was used it, like it, that. Totally. And, uh, you know, I'd probably Balan Spittle is probably another example It's the same of shit. But what happened was the church eventually had to address the foreskin. <laughs> and this is the Catholic church's literal response. And I'm not fucking joking. They said, no, 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 no. Be- there's no such thing as Christ's foreskin because... He ascended to heaven. So here's what happened. Christ, he did have the, the top of his dick chopped off. It wandered the earth. For 33 years. And then when Christ died, his foreskin, as- separately, ascended with him and became the rings of Saturn. That's wow. the fucking actual Catholic Church explanation Amazing. for Christ's foreskin. That's... Im- that's- I mean, isn't that's... that mad? Woo! Catholic Church.
1: Do you think they? Do you think they ran that by the Pope before they put it out? Yeah. Like, Just
0: read that. Just, yeah. Is that all right? It's that's one good. of those. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But that that that's the class thing about the Pope. The Pope. So the Pope has the ability to have revelations. So w- don't we all? When 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 the church doesn't have an answer to something, the Pope walks off into a room and says, "It was revealed to me." Like, Holy Mary, they're like, there was nothing in the Bible about how did Holy Mary die. So it was a pope in like the 1940s went into a room and said, she actually just shot into the sky. (laughs) And people, yeah, and people were going like, you mean her soul, Pope, like her No, 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 no. She fucking shot into the sky. Like, how do you know this? (sighs) It was revealed to me in the room. Legit. Like Munra, the ever-living. <laughs> yeah.
1: By the power of Grayskull. Wow. Um, <clears throat> they, I mean, they've got balls to, to, to put that out, isn't it? They're like, It's yeah. the Catholic
0: Church. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. We are the truth. Yeah. Someone on Instagram was wondering, were you a fan of my chemical romance growing up and does it feel weird now working with Gerard Way? Thank you
1: Uh, Yeah Like I wasn't a massive fan Of My Chemical Romance Growing up to be honest But I found him I was like Whoa I was quite Bedazzled by him Especially in that music video The Black Parade Do you remember that one Yeah He was so beautiful And so androgynous It was like Whoa Who's that gorgeous creature so I suppose having that childhood concept still sort of drifting around in the back of my head while I'm talking to the man, is, it can be quite odd, you know.
0: Could you ask him if he finds the backlash from wearing typically non-masculine clothing to events difficult to deal with? <laughs> How dare you?
1: This is the most macho I've looked in several days. I think you look fucking fantastic. Thank you. Uh, I would, I would no, love... No, no, people, people... See? No answer need be given past that, you know? Do you dress yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah! No, but seriously, just, like. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I just. I- <laughs> just you know, mostly in
0: thrift shops and stuff. I don't like paying. You much have a money. natural sense of style then?
1: I, mu- I must say, I, 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 other than. Actually, I bought them shoes today, and they were, frankly, an inordinate amount of money, but I thought I can get away with them as a business expense. Because I, I have this gig tonight <laughs> and, you know, the taxman will leave out the detail that it's just audio, right? I do that with Dioralite and Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I do. Business but, expense. Uh, but, you know... Uh, <laughs> I hope that's not the only thing you're you're writing off. How much
0: Dioralite and Alka-Seltzer are you buying per, per annum? I guess, um... It's a, it's a foolish thing, I suppose. Uh, I just kind of got to the point where I'm like, fuck it. If, you hang a, if, if if ever I have a hangover, I'm like, Jesus, I'd love some Alka-Seltzer and Diarylite. And I hated the feeling of having a hangover and being like, it, it's not here. So then I said, why don't I, <laughs> like from now on, every single gig I do ever just say to them, they have to give me a box of Diarylite and Alka-Seltzer. But I don't need that much. <laughs> so I just have like six drawers at home that's full of diarolite <laughs> and, and Hanukkah sir. And it's one of those ones where like if I ever just died suddenly... Uh, do you know the way like when Bin Laden died, they went in and looked at everything he owned and scrutinised it. Now I'm not saying that would happen if I died, but like <laughs> I wouldn't like the guards coming in and going... He had six drawers of Alka-Seltzer <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> fucking Diarylite, you know? What did, uh, what did Bin Laden have? Bin Laden had uh, lots of hair dye, which this, the CIA really? used to go, haha, <laughs> jihad, he was vain. And he had uh, the the internet meme from 2011, Charlie bit my finger. Saved really? on his hard drive.
1: Saved on his hard drive. <laughs> oh. Um,
0: you know, because he's bored. He's hiding yeah. out. He's on lockdown in a cave. He had uh, a letter. He had a letter that he never sent addressed to the Irish people. Did he? No, no. He, so, Bin Laden had a letter addressed to one of his clerics about the Irish people, where Bin Laden was going, I was reading about these Irish people, and <laughs> they seem to love religion and terrorism. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> well I mean (laughs) yeah so Bin he's not wrong there Bin Laden was like fuck me man they love the old religion and terrorism just not our type maybe maybe we should team up maybe let's go over and have a bit of a chat (laughs) so that was one thing so he was doing that dyeing his hair and looking at Charlie bit my (laughs) finger And the CIA released it all. They're quite relaxed today. But if you found out in security as well, six drawers full of diorolite and Alka Seltzer about poor old bin Laden, (laughs) you'd be going, What 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 was up with him? (laughs) What condition is his rectum in? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I don't need that much. So, Robbie, if you ever need diorolite or Alka Seltzer, gone off, gone off Alka Seltzer from the 2017 Bulmers (laughs) Comedy Festival. Yeah, could make a sort of a thoughtful Christmas gift, perhaps. Um, Why did they make Robert Sheehan wear a leather jacket in Love-Hate? I don't don't know. It was an odd, like, I loved your performance in Love-Hate, but I don't understand. I don't understand why, like, you're there as this fucking hard Dublin gangster, (laughs) but they dressed you up like an engineering student. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Do you know what it is? Do you know,
1: it's, it's often where people in film and television are quite contrary. So they'll go, you know, they'll expect all of the characters to be dressed all rough and typically gangster. So we're going to go in another way, you know. And it's often that thinking that arrives at. Dress him up like a fresher. CIT engineer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, love, yeah. hate was fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know, then, you do know I, what's mad? You probably know this. Your, who, who was it that Killian Scott played? Tommy. Tommy? He's former Minister for Housing, Owen Murphy's brother in yeah, real life. Yeah, he is, yeah. In fact, Killian, Killian Scott, who played Tommy, his name is Killian Murphy, so he changed it for obvious reasons. And his, But he's Killian with a K. We can't have that in Ireland. There's only ten, there's like 20 people in Ireland in total. You can't yeah. have two actors called Killian Murphy, one with a C and one with yeah. a K. You know what I mean? You just so. can't.
1: Uh, but yeah, Owen Murphy is his older brother I met Owen Murphy when he was the counsellor for Ranala Did and you? Then, yeah, yeah And then he became Did like, he try and he turn you into a landlord s- and suck your dick? <laughs> 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 and then, you know Suddenly open opened the paper And he's standing shoulder to shoulder with Leo Varadkar Yeah, yeah I, Disappointing I ga- stuff I gather he's popular in this crowd
0: No Good lord Jesus Christ. Landlords are not popular. Um, let's see now. Do you know what's happened here? So the type is so big that now I can't read it. <laughs> it looks like you've got one of them iPhones. You see
1: older folks, like at the yeah. airport or whatever. And you could just see four words on the screen.
0: They're like, and you're there reading their sad little texts. <laughs> did you take did you take your medicine today (laughs)
1: yeah with the milk bottle glasses on god bless
0: yeah that's mad the old you'd get the occasional that's one of those moments you know when you go into a taxi and the taxi driver has the they've got their phone there but then they have the large type turned on (laughs) and you just start going oh no they're Uh. they're a little bit too old for this job they should be retired but they (laughs) obviously can't yeah they're
1: supposed to be like scanning the environment for things we're going to crash into exactly
0: and I'm going. If this cunt needs his fuck needs to read this, this big. <laughs> what happens if a deer jumps into the middle of the road? Yeah, you know. And then also a pang
1: of me that goes, uh, you know, I'm 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 on the road to that as well, possibly. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm sort of heading down the road to increasingly large text on my iPhone. I'm basically getting older and will die in the end. That's kind of actually.
0: And the subject of death. Uh, <laughs> What how would you feel if if like uh what what, f- what yes! famous Woo! what famous celebrity debt would you not, like do you ever think right okay you're Robbie Sheehan how do you not want to die? <laughs> I was on a plane with Jedward once. Oh <laughs> they they just happened to be on my plane. Pilot and co-pilot. <laughs> and I was just going like, oh man, I'd hate for this plane to crash. <laughs> And Mr. Chrome was on it as well. Because I'm just going, fuck me. You'd become I can't, like I can't. A, the rubber bandits f- and Jedward dying together on f- the
1: same plane. Yeah, you'd you'd be like a footnote in Jedward's exactly, death. Article. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Jedward and novelty singers, the rubber bandits die on plane. <laughs> I was just like, Can I die on a different plane, please? <laughs> so is yeah. there ever like how would you feel about um Robert Sheehan was driving along the motorway from Port Leash and then his taxi driver was distracted by massive text And they yeah. hit a deer
1: Yeah <laughs> Yeah it wouldn't be ideal I suppose no. To get like death by antlers suddenly <laughs> Do you know what's mad? The farm that I'm currently living on Has deer in captivity on the farm With the horses It's very uh, it's very interesting There's just sort of Robert deer Sheehan wandering uh, around. mauled by deer <laughs> <laughs> Yeah after trying to cuddle one In the, in. In in like a paddock Yeah It could happen How are you getting on With all those animals? Yeah good Yeah I did an Instagram To try to boost sales Of my book (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say Boost their self esteem (laughs) 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 Boost my book's self esteem Oh shit You've uh, got a book out Oh yeah Well Kind of soon-ish But uh, So I I climbed in With these emus and we've been warned that uh, they, they could lash out at you, if, yeah. you like, sort of if you're not careful, if they think you've got food on you. But actually, this emu was wonderful. He was quite media trained. He just sort of stood there quite <laughs> like was his name? next to me, and I sort of like, did different poses with this emu. So we're getting on quite well. I did think. he have a name? Cookie. Cookie? Cookie the emu. Cookie. And it's a shame. They're both males, so they can't do little emus. What are both of the emus' names? I can't, I can't remember the other one. It's, it's in the brochure. In the, in the in the gaff. <laughs> so you're
0: staying in someone's gaff where they have a brochure with the emu's names. Yeah, they've got na- all the animals' names. It's mad. Um, it's so lovely. You've got a book of fucking short stories that you yeah. just wrote called Disappearing Act. Yes, indeed. And it's coming out now, and it's in shops, isn't it? No, it's on October the twenty second. October the twenty second. When
1: Ireland reopens fully. <laughs> Woo! So everybody can. Go get drunk in the old
0: fashioned way and then swing by the bookshop. You know so I mean? t- <laughs> tell us, like, th- th- so this is a book of fiction. You've written a book of fiction. Indeed. What made you want to write a book of short stories?
1: Ah, uh, you know, just writing for fun, you know, writing as a hobby and actually finding writing as an interesting tool uh, for acting because Go it's, it's nice to kind of. Prep, uh, prep character as opposed to what's written down on the script for you. You know what I mean? You could practice your lines all day. But the truth, you know, the, the, the good acting is done when you create a history for your character. And oh, you, my God. You, you can just sit there writing memories and nothing is wrong, you know. So you just, you do literally subconscious character research. And that, I suppose, was
0: a big aspect of kind of evolving into a book. So when you, if you're given a character in the script... And you want to find this character, you will go, what, you know, how does this person like the taste of milk when they were seven? Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, I was talking to Frankie Boyle about the film The Master.
0: Yeah. Which is a film of Joaquin
1: Phoenix. a so brilliant. Joaquin Phoenix kind of stands like this in the film. And it's because he drinks that, what's it called, methylated spirits. Yeah. Which gives your kidneys awful pain. Ah. Oh. And he's like, he's just some beautiful little things that you can discover things about the character uh, that will affect the posture, affect the speed, affect the movement, affect the point of view, affect everything, you know, you so, can just
0: discover it by writing it. So know? where's the, so what, what you're doing there is you're, you're bringing your own creativity to a character that maybe someone else has written. Yeah. Where, how does that work in, in the, like, so would you ever find a writer of a script getting precious? about yeah. I've written this character and now Robbie has come off and he's done his internal research on this character and what Robbie has presented is different to my vision of what the character will be. Yeah. Like, w- what's w-
1: that like? One times out of a hundred that'll happen. But the other 99 times, they're incredibly pleased that you've come in with yeah. anything beyond what they've given you at all. Do you know what I mean? I'll be honest with you, the work ethic standard... LAUGHTER in, in <a, laughs> In television, often is incredibly low. It's great. It's easy to, uh, you know, stick out. Sometimes I'll be honest with you. that you know, I just mean that. Like, it's it's really fun to do that research, and and it 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 it's all sort of bodes to the good. You know. Yeah. And it's that's why you know. I'm not equating or comparing myself to Daniel Day-Lewis, but he's somebody who, you know, considers his character like a real human being, not just somebody who's reacting to somebody the way they were told to in a script. He's somebody who goes, no, 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 no. This is a human being who's had an entire life, Mm -hmm. who has been under stress as a youth, who has... A history, has memories, has stories to tell, has everything. So the fun in acting is often just coming up with all that stuff before you get there. And you'd be amazed how that sort of subconsciously informs the performance, you know? And is... is have you ever met Daniel Deleuze? No, had, I'd love to meet him. Does he live in Wicklow, I heard? Going down I mean, Mo- he li-
0: like I heard, he Lives in Wicklow and he's a carpenter or something or... Yeah, making shoes and cabinets. That's what I heard. Yeah. Um, he's an interesting fellow. I mean that's an interesting approach though. Like, you no, know, I've never thought. Like, I, I've no experience with acting. Well, I do, like, I've been on TV and stuff, but I, I wouldn't call it acting. You could act under a stage name and nobody would know it was you. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they would. I'm not sure. Um, I might, I might put the fucking questions out into the audience now. <laughs> We've a question over here. Hold on, we have to wait for the microphone. Are ye the nurses? Yeah. All right, fair play to you. God bless. We've <laughs> Hold on. Fair play to you. <laughs> Up the nurses. You're after robbing the mic off your fucking friend, for God's sake. No. She's trying to save her, is what she's doing. We, okay. co-
2: we cover
1: all aspects. We trained in Port Mullingar, Mullingart, Lamore. I live in George Island,
2: Limerick. Go and on. the girls have a question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Fair play to you. Give me a bit of background. Thank you for that. That's lovely. Go on.
2: <laughs> Hi. So... Um, first of all my friend here happy birthday to her Emma happy, happy birthday, birthday Emma. Emma
1: go on Emma and you're it, t- it's, it's comforting to know there
0: are medical professionals in the house just in case things I go I fucking right. love it man nurses having a night out at a podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah. fucking class
2: go um, on um my second question is: I know the majority of us are probably here from Ireland, but and we always like very like when we go abroad. We're always like, "Oh, we're Irish because of this." Yeah. So I was wondering, Bloodbound Boy and Robbie, what's your favourite memory of you being like, "I'm Irish because of this," because of like something that happened in your past, your teenage years, your childhood years? Oh. I'm Irish because That's of this. That's a
0: great question. No pressure. Great question. What, what unique aspect of your life Happened yeah. which is uniquely Irish That made you proud to be Irish In that moment
1: Oh, they, Which happened out foreign Yeah Well you know I, uh, This might sound like blowing smoke But when I went to the Blind Boy live podcast In Toronto <laughs> Having been there for about five months And I went It was this real old beautiful opera house place In the east side oh, of Toronto that was gorgeous, Yeah. Come in for your live gig And then All of a sudden, like, I'd just been living, trying to work and doing telly day in, day out. Suddenly I walked into a room full of, like, 650 Irish people. And it was fucking brilliant. It was such a fantastic night. And then Mr. Chrome came up to me without the the bag on. And because I'd been sort of talking to a few people, I went, oh, and he went, it's fucking... I went, oh, yeah, fine. And then we went in backstage. And it was just... That was a beautiful night. That sort of, uh, you know, I suppose got me back into the into the cultural tempo of Irishness, which I felt I didn't realize I was needing. The cultural tempo so, of Irishness. Yeah, man. Yeah. I didn't realize I was needing so much, and it was brought to me by this man. So thank you, Blind Boy. <laughs> Truly.
0: Thank what's you very much. What in the recent past? Um, for me, I suppose <sighs> I was over in. Uh, I was over in New York, I was doing a thing with MTV, about 2011, and I'd gotten fucking ossified (laughs) on Times Square at about three in the morning. And I was, not, not a type of drunk that I'd be proud of, a type of drunk where I'm nearly crawling along with my hands, no, my fucking fingers. So I'm there on Times Square, it's like three in the morning and my hands are gone, and I can barely see and then it's like, oh, that's the hoof of a horse, is it? (laughs)
2: And then I'm
0: slowly, drunkenly climbing up a horse's leg. And then my hand is on a tie. And I'm effectively assaulting a policeman in New York. (laughs) Now the thing was, he could have shot me dead. (laughs) But then he just goes, My grandmother's from Donegal! (laughs) Yeah. You're like, oh, thank God. So, I didn't get arrested because all the fucking horrible racist American police have got Irish ancestors and I got away with effectively legally assaulting him while I was drunk. So I suppose there's that. (laughs) Lovely. I think that's all we have time for tonight because there's a, a bit of a curfew. Lads. First off, I fucking love gigging in Dublin. This has been my... My first Dublin gig in two fucking years. Thank you so much. This was fantastic. Thank you. And thank you so much to Hollywood actor from Port Lease, Robbie Sheehan, for coming along. Lovely fella. God bless. So, thank you very much, everybody there, for listening to that podcast. That was unbelievable amount of fun that I had with Robbie. Um, it was an absolute privilege to do. I hope you enjoyed that. Usually what I do at the very end of the podcast is I sign off and then I play for you a new song from my live Twitch stream. I'm not going to do that this week because the energy is too different. The energy of that podcast was too vibrant. And usually I like to play ye a song after a podcast hug when I know that your heads are kind of in a more meditative listening mode. And I don't think that podcast was that vibe. So next week I'll come back with a new song from Twitch. So have a lovely week for yourselves. Notice the, the change in the weather. There's going to be a little bit of a bite in the evening. There's going to be the smoke in the air hangs differently at this time of year. Embrace it. Don't slip on any leaves. Don't step on any dog shit that's covered by a leaf. That's what you got to watch out for really at this time of October, isn't it? That hidden dog shit underneath a brown leaf. Fuck that. And the worst part about it as well is that like. So it doesn't really start getting proper windy. Until like Halloween night. So when you step in dog shit now. That's that's like has a leaf over it. The, it just smells worse. Because there's this humidity in the air. That allows smells to, to climb. That the. the The smell of dog shit, the molecules of it can climb into the air differently at this particular point of the year. So mindfully enjoy the weather, enjoy the autumn, but don't get distracted by leaves up too high. Keep an eye on the leaves on the ground and watch out for that covert dog shit. It's out there underneath a leaf somewhere. All right, dog bless. (laughs) Have, Have a gorgeous week for yourselves. I'll see you next week. I'll be back with a hot take.
2: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello